0: Okay, so if you recall last class, um, we introduced, we spoke a little bit about the topic um, of the trickster archetype. We've been talking a lot about archetypes in Tanakh, or archetypes that exist, excuse me, um, in the world throughout time, based sort of on Jung, but also on other um, sort of anthropologists who have who have noted these similarities and these consistencies in myth throughout time and place. Um, and we've been talking about different archetypes that manifest in Tanakh and why that's important and what that communicates to us. And we talked last week, one of the things we noted is the way in which Yaakov very much sort of fits the trickster archetype. Right? We talked about the different elements within the Yaakov story from beginning to end. We talked about the way in which he's sort of a shapeshifter, right, how the archetypes... Um, how in mythology oftentimes the trickster would sort of shift shapes and become turned, look like an animal or appear as something else. And there was that moment always where the person being deceived looks and can't really tell. Right? I think I gave the example last week with the father, the hunter who was trapping his daughter, who was dressed like a fox. And he noticed her eyes looked soft, but he wasn't sure if it was, right? He didn't know why he was sort of drawn to her eyes. But of course, then he reverts to his um, sort of hunter uh, default way of, of, of Behaving. So we talked about the idea of the shapeshifter, we talked about the way in which the trickster is often the one being tricked, right, how the trickster sort of spreads this, um, he's the one sort of deceiving and then yet surprisingly he's oftentimes on the deceiving end of things as well. And we looked really throughout the life of Yaakov and we said that one of the most important manifestations really, oh sorry, excuse me, let me shut this off or it's going to be interrupting me the whole time. Um, one of the most important, really, manifestations of the trickster is not so much that he's deceiving people and tricking people. And again, we looked at the, the whole long list of deceptions throughout Tanakh. Um, but we said that on the superficial level, deception is really about balancing out, tipping the scales of power, right? We said men, women are oftentimes tricking men in Tanakh and lay people are oftentimes deceiving Kings, that it's sort of a way of tipping the scales. But we said beyond that, sort of on I mean, the mythic level, the trickster is the one that's the rule breaker. The trickster is the one that says, hold on a second, you have your boundary here and your boundary here. Well, I'm calling that into question, right? Or the rules exist like this. I'm going to question why that is, and I'm going to sort of push the envelope. And we gave that story that we said is so often overlooked, that short little narrative in the very, very beginning. We said Yaakov gets to the well, and we focus on how Yaakov falls in love with Rachel, and gives her a kiss, and he he sort of um, takes care of her and then goes back. But we said that little moment where he gets to town, and he says, hey, let's move the rock. and they also And they all say, no, we're not moving the rock because... Right? Etiquette is X, Y, and Z. And then Yaakov sees Rachel and he just lifts up the rock and moves it over and starts to draw the water And So we said, the element of breaking the rules is something that's also really, really important and manifest in all of these trickster tales, okay? Now, what I wanted to really move on from though today is what may be seen or perceived as sort of the negative elements, right, of the trickster and move on to answer the question that we ended class with, which is, right, why is the Tanakh telling us this story? Why is Tanakh presenting us with our own archetype of the trickster? What are we supposed to take from this model, right? We have the founder in Abraham and we have and in every one of the personalities in Tanakh, we could get caught up in their personality and character development and all the other things. Or we could take a step back and say, by presenting our ancestor in this light, by sort of fitting into those, um, the schema or the associations with this archetype, what are we supposed to take from it? So I think that there's something really, really important beyond these subversive element and beyond the elements where the trickster creates chaos, where we're always trying to create order. I think that there's something else that's going on here. Um, and by the way, one other really, really important thing that we forgot to mention just by way of review is that if we looked, we said we called when, when Rivka is confused by what's going on when she's pregnant and she's having twins and she goes, and then Hashem gives her, we said we called it an oracle, right? An oracle, and I use that word intentionally as opposed to, let's say, a nivua. even though, yes, Hashem speaking to her is by definition a nivua, But we said that, we called it an oracle because an oracle sort of connotes this enigmatic message or this ambiguity <laughs> embedded, bless you, in the message itself. When she says, <laughs> right? We looked at both the lexical and the syntactical ambiguities in that Pasuk. It was almost prodding the people to get involved. It was almost asking Rivka and Yaakov to work in tandem and take initiative to determine what was going to happen, right? And we contrasted it so profoundly from ki ki zara, kol asher shara There was no clarity when it came to the Yaakov and the Rivka and the sub episode, and that's where human initiative comes in, and particularly in our case, the trickster. So... What I wanted to start with is actually something that I think will help us get us to understand. I think you won't actually understand until the end of the class why I'm using this as an example. But it's a fascinating example. Um, also, I put on the, on the board last week. But I will put his name on the board again because if anyone wants to read um, his book, it's really, really fascinating. And some of the examples I'm going to be bringing today um, come from his book. His name is Lewis Hyde. And he writes, and he actually doesn't address really Tanakh a lot, Um, actually one of the, really at all, I think he mentions the Bible once or twice, he's dealing more broadly with the trickster archetype, he does mention, which for those of you who were in my women's course a bunch of years ago can jog your memory, he mentions that tricksters are oftentimes male and you will be hard pressed to find a female trickster. And if we look in Tanakh, that is certainly not the case. And I think that has a lot to do with Tanakh's gender neutral attitude and assumptions about women's intelligence and women's ability to behave with all of those positive aspects of the trickster. Whereas for the rest of the world, I think it took them a little bit longer to catch on to the notion of that. But, um, okay, so here's in something that he mentions actually in his book, which is really fascinating, and you'll see why I'm going to get back to it. What's the name of the book? Sorry, oh, tricksters make the world. Tricksters make the world. Oh, there you go. It's in your good. I brought a. I brought a. Did they give? It should be two pages of these handouts. Yeah, but there should be. Is a second
1: page? I'm gonna double check. Uh, No,
0: no, 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 no. Sorry, they squished it all onto one. That's okay. Um, Okay. So one of the things he mentions in his book, which is really, really interesting, and again, you'll see why I'm going here. Um, he talks about one of the theories where they have these sort of evolutionary theories, right? Evolutionists are always really trying to understand how come our brains are bigger and how come, right? And some people tie it back into the whole punishment for Rivka, right? And now birth is gonna hurt because our brains are bigger, so our skulls are bigger. Chava. what'd I say? Yes, I did not mean Rivka. Although it was probably painful for her too. She did it twice. Uh, <laughs> he talks about evolutionary theory, okay? And he mentions, Um, that if you look at any given point in the development of the entire animal kingdom, okay, he says that you're always, and you you divide the animals in the animal kingdom into predator and prey. Okay, he says if you look, let's just give an arbitrary scale of one to ten. He says if you look at, at any point in history, okay, in the evolution of all beings on Earth, if you look at the predator and the prey, okay, the predator is always going to have a slightly larger brain, which for the most part implies intelligence. Okay? So we'll always have a slightly larger brain. So let's say you start out, the predator has three, right? Again on an arbitrary scale of one to ten, three, and the prey has one. He goes, fast forward three million years, okay? The predator will now be at six, but prey will now be up to four. Okay, and he says you keep going, and there's this. Perfectly, or not necessarily perfectly, but there's always this incremental increase in what they would call intelligence, and the predator is always slightly brighter than, or smarter than, the prey. But the prey is always getting smarter, okay, in sort of this this um, r- r- rashy, sort of this relationship to the predator. Okay, it's almost as if the need to outsmart and the need to survive, right, which come hand in hand, is the number one engine for the evolution of intelligence over the course of history. And again, whatever goes for the animal kingdom, we would have to argue goes for uh, people, for human beings as well, okay? Put that on the side because we're going to see why that's important. So one of the things we mentioned last class is that the trickster breaks protocol. Yaakov gets to the new city or the new village. Right? And they all say, well, things go like this and we don't move the rock because we want to make sure that it's fair for everyone. And he says, really? And he sort of just removes the rock and gives the water to Raphael. And we're talking about one of the things that we're going to be looking at. And now I'm going to ask you to put the idea of trickster on the side temporarily. And I just want to read through some of the narratives Okay, that we see happening while Yaakov is in the house of Laban, And it goes without saying, and we're not going to say, hmm, I wonder who the trickster is here. Is it Yaakov? Is it Laban? Is it the wives? Because essentially what the Tanakh is really doing is creating this world of tricksters. One person is deceiving, the next one is being deceived, and then there's this sort of cyclical effect where there's this constant motion of trickery from beginning to end, okay? And we're going to have to, again, look back at the question of why this trickster, but let's just look inside and see where we see these elements of trickery arise. Okay, so let's go to Brishi Tet, it's chapter 29. And we're going to start with, we're going to skip over the piece where he breaks protocol. Pasuker um, Aleph, right, by Ishak he kisses her and he calls out and he starts to cry. So we're going to start with Yudbet, okay, verse 12. So automatically, right, if we go back to the very beginnings where we saw the check boxes that we need the wife from the inside as part of that sort of endogamy notion where you need to marry someone from the inside. So here she fits all the check boxes, right? Um, um by the kol very. Now, Lavan, right? in contrast, for example, to Rifka, if you remember last week we said we had a we have backstories every once in a while. The Rifka backstory in Perak Chavdalid, right? The entire Perak. She's the only woman we meet at a well who has a backstory. We meet Tippura at the well, we meet, right? We meet Rachel at the well. We know nothing about them. Perak Chavdalid and Bereshit, earns our trust, Rifka earns our trust, right? If you remember, I threw out that phrase dual causality, the Eved prays for X and Rifka comes and she does X and then he asks for Y and there she is, she's performing Y and he thanks Hashem each time. He said, the Rifka backstory earns our trust that any initiative Rifka takes is in sync with God's plan for the family of Abraham, okay? She earns our trust, okay? flip, reverse it, what about Lavan? If you remember, he appeared in that story with Rivka. She's earning our trust as someone who can take initiative and is sort of in sync with God's will, and Lavan, He was sort of the foil character, right? Because here she was running out and being hospitable, which is the most important element in the Avraham, right? Manifestation of kindness is always through hospitality within the world of Avraham. She runs out and gives the water. And with Lavan, it was, oh, and once he saw all those really sparkly things on her ears and her nose and her wrist, then he goes out and he brings Ebed Avraham in. So as much as she has earned our trust for being almost sort of a partner with God in the overall plan for Abraham, Laban lost our trust the minute he had disingenuous motives. Okay, he
2: earns, he earns
0: our suspicion. Earns our suspicion. Perfect <laughs> way of saying it. Okay. Um, and now it goes on and it says, Pasuk Yud. Where am I? Pasuk Yud Gimel. Vayikisshma Laban et Shema Yaakov ben Afutov vayiratzel Kartov vayicha beklav vayinoshkelo vayienuel betoey sakar leLaban et kol hadvarim ha'el. He explains everything that happened. Right, here you are, my relative, come live with me. Right, yes, you're my brother. And again, brother, not literally brother, but a kinsman. Okay, so already, again, what we're going to be looking at here are sort of two things to keep in mind. One is the trickster, right? Who is that personality that's sort of breaking down the existing system? But we wanna, before we do that, we wanna say, what's not right in the system, right? That the trickster is sort of coming to undermine it or to call it into question or to break it down, right? At its roots. So what's wrong with this system? There are two words there that should not go together in the ancient world. Look in the pasuk. And again, it seems really nice because Lavan is a trickster. Right, here you are, you're my kinsman. You can't work for free, tell me what your fee is. Okay, if he's his kinsman, he shouldn't be working for him. He should be part of, yes, he should be part of the broader patriarchal household. He should be out in the fields or out with the animals and earning his keep, so to speak. But this is not a business relationship. And so, already, again, it's sort of covered in this kindness and this altruism, but what we'll lay behind it is there's something rotting at the core of this system. Okay? And it's going to take Yaakov a really long time to be able to separate from the system, but that's only going to be able to happen after these sort of series of trickery and deceit. Pasuk, next Pasuk. Now, Yaakov is again breaking protocol. Why? Because we just found out there's an order, right? And Lavan is going to call him on it, and we all know the story, right? He asks Lavan to work. He says, Please let me work for Rachel. And he says, Fine, work seven years. And then again, I'm going to skip through a lot of it because we know the basic storyline. But if you just jump down to Pasuk HaPay, vai iba booker repasse verse 25 binahi leya vaiomer lavan mazota sicalli hallogura khal avaditani imakh willama rimi tani why did you deceive me vaiomer lavan loya ya sakhim dimkome nu latik atzeira lifnei habkhira now again it's sort of the question is it's the system working against the keep each one is using the system to work against the other right? Yaakov is sort of flaunting the system by saying, I want to marry Rachel, even though she's younger. And Lavan is then exploiting Yaakov and calling, blaming the system for his deception. Yeah?
1: But Yaakov could have taken for granted that in seven years, Leah will be married off to someone else. It's very yes.
0: possible. It's, it's, we're it's not, we're yes. not getting into motive. We're not getting into what's going on in their heads. All we're asking is, from the sort of structural. What is happening here? What is this notion of the system and then the underminer of the system? And how do we make sense of this? Right? Because again, if Yaakov is undermining systems and Yaakov, and we've spoken about it, right? Labanim, If the avot are the metaphor for us, what is that telling us, Israel, right? About pushing back against systems? It's a really important question. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, when
2: uh, Laban says, you know, that's not how we do it here. We, we marry off the older one first. <clears throat> uh, did Yaakov
0: not know that? I mean, he, it seems like that that probably was the system in the whole Middle East, not just... Uh, no, I'm not so sure. Uh, a, I'm not so sure it was, right? They made a deal. Yeah, again, we're getting caught up, I think, in the wrong... Um, I think we're getting caught up in the wrong, right? Who was right, who was right? It doesn't matter, right? All we're seeing... Did Yaakov, should he have known, is this Lavon's way of sort of, you know, getting at him and saying, oh, well, here we respect the B'khor, right, which is of course, his way of sort of getting into, right? Yaakov, I don't know where you come from. I don't think you respect the Behor so much, but here we do, right? It's, it's, of course, it's a sort of like a passive-aggressive, obnoxious way of, of getting him to feel insecure about the fact that he had been deceptive in the past and the only reason he's there, right? All of that stuff is there, but we're sort of, we're, we're moving beyond the characters and the psychology, and we're just looking more broadly. Again, not, not because, and I want to be clear, not because all of what you guys are raising is not important. It is. Right? I just sort of want to use a different lens um, just in this class. Yeah. I
2: was going to say from the beginning, you know, we have a little bit of a
1: suspicious when Lavan is so eager to greet him when he's looking for something, but of then course. he never says anything. When Yaakov says, I'll work, you know, for seven years for Rachel, he doesn't say a word until Correct. It, so the deed go. is done. Correct. It's, uh,
0: Correct, and and by the way, a lot of the trickster tales, right, it's not overnight that something happens. A lot of the ways in which, if we look at Tanakh, again, let's say, I wouldn't use Bathsheba as a trickster, but a lot of the trickster tales that we have in Tanakh, it's like sort of a marathon, not a race, right? You're, you're sort of in it for the long haul, and that's what we're watching here. There's going to be this constant power shift between Yaakov and Ladan. Um Okay, if you jump down now, go to Parak Lamed, just for example, okay? Now, Lamed is one of the most, again, if we were doing this from the the sort of a different perspective and we looked at what's happening here, Parak Lamed is basically Tanakh creating space for the experience of the mothers, right? And, And again, for those of you that were in my women's class, Tanakh gives tremendous space for the experience of the mothers that are not necessarily, right, the heroes of the story, and yet the names themselves are the way in which the experience of the mother imprints onto the child, right? And by imprinting, of course, it's also going to impact the story later on. And we see the same thing with Shul. We see it really throughout Tanakh. And it's, it's very, very unique to Tanakh, I would say. Um, okay, and so jump to Parak Lamed very quickly. And in the middle of all of this, okay, I'm just going to mention, I think, something that's a little bit wrong with the system if I had to, if I had to sort of get involved here in the family dynamics. Go to Pasuk Yudalit. And it says, okay, it's one of the most heartbreaking sukim if you think about it. Now again, was it an aphrodisiac? Was it a fertility herb? We don't know. Regardless, right? Any of those options all mean that what was Ruvain in tune with?
1: Like was
0: the, that, that something that was really the, not right right, that his mother needed, there's something so profoundly painful in the fact that Reuven is getting involved in the intimate affairs of his mother, his aunt, and his father, okay? And, it, and of course, again, it goes without saying, we can't say that what happens in the next generation with Yosef and his brothers is not, the seeds are already planted here. There's something very, very painful going on. But without, again, without getting into the emotional element of it, Something is wrong with the system. Something went wrong when one wife was forced on him and that he really wanted to marry the sister. And then there's this competition between them. And so the system is going to have to be broken apart and then they're going to have to be able to figure out a way to move forward. Okay, and the, the, the sort of frailty or the rat the in the system, I think, goes further. Rachel Right, so if there's if there's only one thing more heartbreaking than Ruven bringing home the duda'im for his mother. It's Rachel desperately wanting them. Actually, no, the most heartbreaking thing is in the next hasuk. Right, it's not enough that my husband loves you. You've, you've taken my husband. Now you also want to take the one hope I have for whatever will make me more beloved. The okay. What has Yaakov become? Toy. A pawn. He's, he's being right. If you want to talk about the objectification of men, right here, right? This is—he's become an object, being passed and back and forth. Right. That's the same language we saw when Lavan misuses it. Right? You're not supposed to be paying wages for a cousin, and you're not supposed to be paying wages to have a night with your husband. Everything about this system that Lavan created through trickery and deception is just wrong. and then of course, which is very, very typical of Hashem hearing the cries, right, even if they're silent, of the underdog in Tanakh. kim then Okay? Now, one of the things that we're watching sort of unfold is not just we mentioned the trickery of Lavan and how it influences him, but go jump down to the end of that parash, Go to Pasuk Lamed Aleph, for example. Okay? Now um Yaakov is getting very, very rich. Yaakov is a very, very successful herdsman. And one of the things, if we jump down to, uh, what did I say? Pasuk Lamed? Where's Lamed Alf? Lamed Alf, excuse me. Lavan kind of wants to start now parting ways, right? The town ain't big enough for the two of us. He kind of wants to begin to part ways. And so he says to Yaakov, what do you want? And Yaakov says, Loti tein li mi'uma. I don't want anything, right? Just, He says, basically what he's saying is, and again, they've made punnet squares, and people have tried to figure out how this works. It's kind of hard to explain without divine intervention, but essentially Yaakov tried to take out all the speckles and all the flocks that were not what we would imagine to be, right, the dominant gene or the right, it was sort of the and he took them and that's all he wanted. Right? Meaning he was fine starting out again with the with the lesser of the lot. He just wanted Lavan to leave him alone. <laughs> and again it goes Vantabitzidkat uh Pasuk, excuse Now, of course, Lavan says, of course, Lui whatever you want, but what does Laban do that night? We all know. What does he do? He takes them out. Oh, you know what? I, told you, I would have given you the speckled sheep. If, that's so weird. Look at this flock. There's no speckled sheep. yet because you took them out, Lavan. Okay, and then Yaakov goes through this very, very bizarre breeding process, which again, we have no idea how to make sense of it, but essentially he took things with speckles on them and allowed the sheep to breed while looking at these sticks in the water. And somehow when they came out, they were speckled. Okay, again, whether that, I have no idea how that could possibly work, but we're gonna see at the end Yaakov attributes it all to God, okay? There's going to be this sense of trickery, counter-trickery, but the bottom line is is that the only reason Yaakov survived all those years of deception and subversion is because God wanted him to survive, which brings us way back to when Hashem appears to him in Bethel and says, you kind of stole the Bechorah, right? That's our parentheses, but Hashem gives him the Bracha anyway. Okay, and so the question which arises again, which is what we finished last class on, is is God condoning this type of behavior and if so, why? Okay, let's just read that one pasuk very, very quickly. Go to Peret, Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Zion. Okay, this is when Yaakov is trying to convince his wives that it's time for them to break. Okay, it's time for them to move from their father's home and go back with him to the land of Canaan. And he says in Pasuk va uh, verse 6, The only reason I am not destitute is because God did not allow his trickery to succeed. Right? Again, just imagine, for one second, or not imagine, but just go back to a flip trickery story where the mi'aldot trick paro, he says kill all the babies and they say, and they trick him and they say, oh my God, we wanted to, but tabo they sort of align themselves with paro, they act like they too are paranoid, they too think the Hebrews are just these animals, they're subhuman, and before they get to them, they're having babies, and right after their deceit, it says what? God gave them batim. God gave them batim. Right, God rewarded them for their trickery. So throughout Tanakh, what we need to ask is when is trickery condoned in this sense? When does God allow for this trickery? Um, and not just allow for it, excuse me, but I would say substantiate it. Yeah?
2: Well, so, I mean, it seems that God is condoning Yaakov's trickery, but not Levan's Of course, that's exactly yes. the question. So, I mean, so God, it seems that God is condoning trickery that will ensure the continuity of the Jewish people.
0: It's very, very possible. I think it's a little more than that, but of course that fits into it, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, go down now. We see another variation of this. Okay. Um, or even go back just to Pasuk. Da, da, da. Um... Go, we're going to skip Hashem again, speak to him. I don't want to run out of time, so let's just go down to Pasuk Yud Dalid in that in that parak. okay? And look at what look at what Rachel says, right? They hear Yaakov's impassioned speech and they say, okay, now by the way, this echoes the question of which is important, but we're not going to discuss it now. Right, but they say, do we even have a place anymore in our father's home? He thinks of us like, street, he doesn't street. treat us with the, he doesn't take care of us the way we should be taking care of. Again, another perfect parallel, right, is when Ruth looks at Boaz and she says, why are you being so nice to me? Right, right? she says, I'm thinking I'm missing the first half of the pasuk, right? right? Why are you treating me like a family member if I'm, in fact, an outsider? And here it's reversed. They're saying we're his family members. He's treating us like a foreigner, okay? And so everything about that system, there's something wrong with it. And, sorry, where was I? What pasuk was I? Ah, halon achriot lo ki Right? If it all comes down to money, if he's selling us, Right? You never had a stronger word of revolt by a daughter who says he's selling us. Right? He's using us as a bartering chip. Etc. Etc. And so Rachel and Leah are rejecting a system in which money, right, is being passed and forth between family members, where they are becoming objectified to the point where they know they are being exploited and used for Lavan's game. Okay. Oh, What? Although they did the same thing. They did the same thing, correct. And so essentially, okay, so excellent question. Although they did the same thing. So let's jump forward to Pasuk Nun Aleph, okay? Because this is really where eventually the understanding the the, the understanding comes to the fore, or actually, you know what? I skipped um mm -mm. What time is it? 11. No, I'm going to skip over a couple of things, but I will mention it and you guys are all familiar with it. On the way out, Rachel steals the truffing, right? And for, ironically, Lavan is deceived, and for the first time, Yaakov is not actually the deceiver. Right? And I actually have a theory about that. I think Rachel set up the whole scene so Yaakov can demand his innocence and for the first time in his life, demand it and mean it. Right, he was the trickster with Asab. He was the trickster with Yaakov, He was the trick. And when he's standing there, in order to be able to split from Lavan, he needs to be able to say, "You're a trickster, I'm not," and actually mean it. And of course, the irony of Lavan there being deceived as his daughter is leaving with something so symbolic, and basically saying, "We got the last word." Okay? So we have the we have the Rachel, and then we have the interaction between Lavan and Yaakov. Let's jump down to pasuk Nun Aleph in that same parak, the very very end. Okay, this is what it's all building up to. Okay, um, it goes to Pasuk, start, uh, sorry, start with Memchet, okay, 48. Memchet starts by Yomer Lavan, Hagal hazed. this is when he finally catches up with Yaakov and he looks for the truck and he can't find them and they argue and they have, and they decide, you know what, I think it's better off, I think we're all going to be better off if for, for the final time there's a separation between the family of Terach and the family of Avraham. Right? And it's very, very important because the entire break sheet what we've been watching, is but then go back there and find a wife. Go back, but then go back out. And that constant revolving door. And now for the first time in the history of the Abraham family, there's going to be a clear break. Okay? Now that's also important, and we're going to get to it next week. It's going to set the stage for now the family of Yaakov being able to incorporate all of its different members and not needing to choose from one or the other. Okay, but let's just see this final separation and we're going to see, we're going to answer the trickster question. Vayomer Yaakov Pasuk Memcheh, Vayomer Lavan hagal hazeh ad beini uveina uveincha, hayom al ken gal e, vah mitpah asher emar he goes on and on, and he says, um, I'm going to jump to Nunalev, Vayomer Lavan liyaakov hine hagal hazeh vhine hamatzeva asher yariti beini uveinecha and they make a whole ceremony where now finally okay, the two families are parting ways. Okay, and the significance of it can't be can't be overstated. Now, let's go back to this question. In order for Yaakov to come back, Yaakov is going to be the beginning, right? He's, Yaakov is really gonna be the transition point from the patriarchs to the nation, right? We're gonna see he's gonna be named, he's gonna switch from Yaakov to Yisrael. He is going to be the first, Avram is the father of Yitzhak and Yitzhak is the father of Yaakov. Yaakov is going to be the father of the tribes and the tribes are going to emerge as a nation. So the question that we want to go back to is why this tricksterness, right? Why all the deceit? Why the trickery? Why this archetype as seen in so many different manifestations before he can turn into the Yaakov? Okay. So I want to go to this sheet. What? So Excuse me, Israel. Okay. So I want to go to the sheet really, really quickly. And I want to read a couple of pieces. And again, this is taken from his book, but there's, there's sort of um, something very important. And this is when I said last week, we're looking at all the negative elements of the trickster, that he breaches rules and he breaks protocol and he steals and he... Here's the flip side of it, okay? Tricky Prometheus stealing fire is the famous Western example. But the motif of freeing some needed good from heaven is found all over the world. Along the North Pacific coast, for example, the trickster raven is a thief of water and daylight. On the island of Japan, it was a trickster who released the arts of agriculture from their heavenly enclosure. In short, Trickster is a boundary crosser. Every group has its edge, its sense of in and out, and a trickster is always there at the gates of the city and the gates of life, making sure there is commerce. He also attends the internal boundaries by which groups articulate their social life. We constantly distinguish between right and wrong, sacred and profane, clean and dirty, male and female, young and old, right? And you guys remember these binaries that we talked about in the very beginning of the semester, living and dead, and in every case the trickster will cross the line and confuse the distinction. Okay? There are also cases in which tricksters create a boundary or bring to the surface a distinction previously hidden from sight. Boundary creation and boundary crossing are related to one another, and the best way to describe the trickster is to say simply that the boundary is where he will be found, sometimes drawing the line, sometimes crossing it, sometimes erasing or moving it, but always there, the god of the threshold in all its forms. Okay, And I'll read one last one, and then we're going to get back to the theft in a minute. A paradox the myth asserts that the origins, liveliness, and durability of cultures requires that there be space for figures whose function is to uncover and disrupt the very things that cultures are based on. Okay? We kept focusing last week on the negative elements of the trickster. But what the other aspect of it is that in order for a new structure to be built, you need to take apart the old structure. In order for a new way, Right, to be forged, you need to look at the old system and say, what's not right here? You need to take the assumptions that everyone in society is working under and say, well, is that really true? Is it true that the firstborn is automatically going to be the one that gets your to Abraham, or am I pushing back at that assumption? Right? Is primogenitor an assumption I'm pushing back at? By the way, Hashem pushes back at primogenitor when he calls us b'ni Israel. Right? We weren't the firstborn of the nations. Hashem is saying, Age order has nothing to do with who is the chosen one to be the Bechor, right? So the pushing back at the Bechorah with Yaakov and Esav is just manifest in, in Yitziat Mitzrayim as well, okay? now. One of the things that we, and so again, it sort of speaks to this idea of this cultural transformation principle is you need to break down culture on some level in order to build anew. Now, there's a couple of elements that we talked about last week when we talked about the trickster. We said, right, the first thing, or I don't know if we actually mentioned it in this class, one of the major, major things that is always prominent in the trickster stories is appetite. Okay? That's appetite for food. That's appetite for sex. There's always this appetite, right? This sort ambition. of hunger. What? Ambition? Uh, yeah, ambition is partially right. Ego, appetite. I think, it's all, I think a lot of it is always connected, but particularly because so many of the trickster tales are animals, right? It's all about the animal is hungry, and so the trickster can figure out a way to trap him, right? In the trickster tales, for example, they talk about how they started fishing, right? How they would attach meat and the fish didn't know that at the end of the meat was the stick, and so that's how they would trap fish initially, but then, again, it goes without saying, the tricksters often get tricked into their own. It's not coincidental that when Aesop comes home from the field, right, Yaakov, knowing that Aesop is gonna be ravenous, because when you go out on those hunts for hours or perhaps days on end, you come home starving, And just coincidentally, Yaakov is sitting there making this delicious stew that smells so good from outside the tent. And so there's that element of utilizing or exploiting someone else's appetite to trick them, right? We have the lying, we have the theft, okay? But what is the theft that Yaakov, what does Yaakov steal? What does Yaakov really steal? Or deceive Esav into selling, and then later on go into the tent and steal? He steals the bracha, right? First, he deceives him into selling, the, and again, whether or not their two are necessarily intrinsically connected, we'll put on the side as a question. He deceives him into selling him the birthright, and then he goes in and steals the bracha. There is a theft. Anochi esav b'chorecha. You're not. You're Yaakov. It doesn't matter. He steals the bracha. Okay? But what is that theft? What is he really stealing? What he should get. Okay, so what he feels he should get, right?
1: I mean, Huge. in terms of the criteria that... It has
0: been so far, he was the most suited. Um, okay, so we can argue that. Certainly, again, that's why it's so important that Rifka earns our trust. Certainly, Rifka feels that way, right? Without a doubt. And if you say, Anohi esav and that's what gave him the rights to the bracha, he bought it. Again, he sort of duped him into it because he exploited his appetite, but he was, at that point, the behor, so to speak, right? What, but what is this theft really? And, and think about the trickster. Think about it more broadly in terms of systems exist, and in order to create new systems, sometimes things need to be stolen. What does that mean? Yeah? I think he's stealing the continuity
1: of the family.
2: What? I think he's stealing the continuity of the family. Okay. In other words, it's going to, he's saying, I want this family to continue for me. If he's getting the Bahorah and he's getting the Bracha, then the continuity of the
0: family is going to go through his his line. Okay, excellent. I think I, what he brings, Lewis Hyde spends an entire chapter okay, on the character of Frederick Douglass. Okay? And I think he uses him intentionally because so much of myth is sort of beyond our, we could understand it, Aesop's fables, their cue, we could relate to the cunning hare and the wild coyote, but we're a little bit removed from it. And so I think that's one of the reasons he spends a lot of time on Frederick Douglass because the, the, the example is so powerful and I think still sort of resonates. So one of the things that he talks about in the Frederick Douglass narrative, okay? Frederick Douglass was a slave whose father was white, whose mother was black, which oftentimes happened. And in the early portions of the narrative, one of the things that Frederick Douglass, it's his autobiography. What he does is he writes, he sort of shows, right? In, in one of the early, early chapters, he basically creates the way that he writes it, okay? Is he basically distinguishes between, he creates this sense of, every, those words we were talking about, binaries, Okay? that exists in the world in which he was living in the South. So he would say the whites have birthdays, they know the date of their birth, blacks have no idea, they just assume they were born in a certain season. The whites have freedom of movement, the blacks have that, right? And he sort of distinguished and he showed how there was this really important boundary, okay, in society that created this sense of binaries, whether or not he feels that, that should, that's an actual binary, right? But we spoke about how society needs these, Okay, look at what he steals, okay? This is from his autobiography. I'm gonna read this to you and tell me what Frederick Douglass steals and why that's so important. By the way, in the slave literature, one of the very prominent themes was the ability of the black slave to outwit his white master. Right? Because remember what we spoke about last week, the power structures, and that's the only thing they were able to do. They didn't have the physical force, they didn't have the independence, they didn't have, so the only thing they could do was outwit them. Right? And that sort of bolstered their sense of equality even though society did not believe they were equal. So look at what Frederick Douglass writes in his autobiography. Just at this point of my progress, Mr. Old found out what was going on. This is the the white master. He found out that Frederick Douglass had been going in the streets and taking home the old school books that white children had been leaving around or taking home papers from school that they had left and he was teaching himself to read and he was teaching himself the ABCs. Now, very important, okay, if we're talking about the binaries and things that belong on one end, okay, whites were literate, Okay. Blacks were not. Literacy was white. Okay, so now listen to what happens here and tell me what theft, right? We're not talking about theft, someone breaking into a house and holding up a That's, of course, thievery is bad. Stealing is bad. But theft in the trickster archetype is different than the traditional theft we're talking about. Okay? It's sort of like stealing fire from the gods to bring it down to humanity. It's not holding someone up at gunpoint and taking their necklace. It's stealing something that the world says does not belong to you. Mr. Auld found out what was going on, and at once forbade Mrs. Auld to instruct me further, telling her, among other things, that it was unlawful as well as unsafe to teach a slave to read, right? Unsafe, that's a really strong word. To use his own words further, he said, a nigger should know nothing but to obey his master, to do as he is told to do. Learning would spoil the best nigger in the world. Now, said he, if you teach that nigger, speaking of myself, how to read, there would be no keeping him. He would at once become unmanageable and of no value to his master. It would make him discontented and unhappy. These words sank deep into my heart. It was a new and special revelation, explaining dark and mysterious things. I now understood what had been to me a most perplexing difficulty, to wit, the white man's power to enslave the black man. It was a grand achievement, and I prized it highly. From that moment, I understood the pathway from slavery to freedom." And so he taught himself to read and write, okay? So, by teaching himself to read and write, what is theft essentially doing? Again, we're not talking about... Changing the whole It's, right. it's saying this doesn't that exist sense. here. Maybe it exists here. Maybe monkeys can't read, and we all can, but it's saying the boundaries you constructed don't exist there. I am going to re-correct, yeah. It's saying that knowledge is power, but that's also what the government even says. Ah, okay, so I was hoping someone would notice that, and I wish we had time to do it. We don't, but if you go back to Gan Eden, right, it's all about appetite. Right? It's not Chava looks at a, I don't know, a fur coat and really wants to put on a fur coat. It's appetite. It's, she looks at the tree and she realizes, right? right? It's all about appetite, right? And taking something that Hashem says it's off limits, but at the same time, by ta- right? And again, by the way, in the trickster stories, when you take something that in theory wasn't meant to belong to you, Right? So then there's always going to be consequences. Right? It's never without consequences. But still, Prometheus believes fire should be for humans also, and should, the humanity should not live in the dark while the gods have heat, okay? or fire. Okay? So there's always this element of theft coming down now again. It's important that it also is not meant to undermine, meaning fire is a perfect metaphor, because you could take fire, you're not, you're not making the first fire any less bright. Right? Fire, there's no limit, assuming there's, there's fuel for it. Okay? So, in theory, and it is important to note that when Yaakov meets Esav later on, he's loaded. Right? Esav is really wealthy, doing very, very well, and Esav himself becomes a nation. What Yaakov stole, or what Yaakov felt was this bracha was something that he should have. Now, again, we're going to talk about the moral implications after. Yeah? So, it seems that,
2: that justification trickery is
1: to, to cure injustice.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and injustice In that sense,
1: it's, it's condoned.
0: Correct. Again, assuming there isn't collateral damage in the sense of people's, right, we're going to see, we're going to get to the story of Shem. Yeah, we'll get to it in the next two minutes. Um, <laughs> that was perhaps problematic. Right? And Yaakov pushes back at his sons for it. But yes, the sense of what we might call an injustice. right? In the obvious examples, an injustice in Tanakh is that um, Paro is saying to kill the babies. And injustice is that, you know, um, I don't know. Lavan was unjust. Lavan was unjust, absolutely, 100%. Before Yaakov was engaging in
1: trickery. Correct,
0: correct. And the whole Lavan-Yaakov dynamic sort of just... Re, you know, sort of sheds a light on this whole deception. If it was just one-time thing, we wouldn't pay attention to it as much as we should, right? But the ability for Yaakov to deceive back and to sort of break ties in order for Yaakov to start the new path, it has to be broken down, right? It had to be undone. Um, okay, I'll take, like, one quick question and then I'll take all questions at the end, I promise. i yeah. thinking that
1: the problem of a generally mm-hmm. is that sometimes it works for the good. Correct. But other times it's not available because it depends on what the truth is. A hundred percent.
0: And of course we can say, right, every phenomenon in the world can be used for wonderful things and can build better, healthier societies. And every phenomenon can also lead to the opposite, right? That's humanity. That's dat tovara. Right? So we're not saying, is it a good thing? Are there exceptions to it? Are there times where people could deceive or rationalize their deception, but it's really for evil? Of course. Right? We're not looking at it to decide how we feel about it. We're looking at it as a phenomenon that exists. And just like going back to the predator-prey, t- the brain size only increases because they have to outwit the predator, right? this sort of cyclical thing. So, so too, on some level, what we're saying, the case exists here also. Right? the tricks. There's this constant society, in theory, right? becomes better and healthier because we're always undoing what's not right and then re, right? reassigning the boundaries, in theory right, in theory. Um, now, but again, the theft is about this sense of eternal things that are guarded, that someone comes in and says, no, that should belong to other groups. Okay, now, the last quality, and this is really, really interesting, that I think is very, very um, fascinating. And again, if you look in the book, he goes through a bunch of examples where this is the case. He goes through, again, myths from Russia, from Norse myths, from, he, he, he looks at all the consistencies, again, throughout space and time. That's why it's such a compelling argument. He says, and he gives the story about an example about a god that no one was able to kill, and all the other gods were trying to figure out ways, but he was sort of immune, so they would shoot arrows, and the arrows would bounce off of him, and they would try to throw fire, and the fire would bounce off. And then, of course, they found out that his weakness is in his knees. So the trickster god rolls a wheel down, it hits him right at the back of the knee, and the god collapses, and he's taken out. Okay. Like Achilles heel. Okay. There is something about, right? So his takeaway is if you want to kill the gods, get them at the joints. Okay. Okay. So the joints right now, but there's something before we even get to the obvious where we're obviously going with this, right? The root word R. Okay. A R. Okay? we have it for example with art right when you're build, when you're making beautiful things that's art when you're talking arthritis right it's from the inflammation of the joints to articulate right can mean two things an articulated skeleton means all the joints are put together and so the skeleton is built right i could articulate i can my arm at the elbow okay articulate can also mean to joint <laughs> words together so you have 20 words and you joint them together in a sentence and then you are articulate so I could either be articulate or inarticulate, depending on whether or not my sentence is disjointed or not, right? So the joints and the R, are, that's essentially how things are built. You need the joints. And so what they're saying is, just like if you want to kill a god, get him at the knee, if you want to take apart a society, or if you want to take apart a system you have or a building, you go for... The joints, right? If you want to take down a big building, you're not going to start chiseling away at the wall. You're going to go for the joints of the building.
1: Can and then implode
0: them. And then implode them, okay? Um, now, the same thing really goes for, right? The same thing goes for the body. When Frederick Douglass, what he was doing is he stole two things. By stealing literacy, right, he took away this joint and then he was able to steal himself right he was only able to become independent because he <coughs> removed the joints that distinguished bless you, between blacks and whites okay why is this really important guys why <laughs> ah okay that's interesting there no, is very there. that's interesting oh, i like that give me more say more braha comes from dara oh, oh that's really nice Go out. Say more than that. Go back to Yaakov. Yaakov has been a deceiver. There are obvious moral implications when you are a deceiver. You are going to try to rebuild a healthier society. You're going to create a sense that the mishpachah, the family of Yaakov, is going to be distinct from the family of Terah. Finally, you're going to undo systems where women are bartered, etc., etc., and you're bartered, and people, and money becomes the primary incentive for things and relationships. But then, what happens when he's on his way back? Before he can become Yisra'el, go to Perak Lamed Bet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Perak Lamed Bet, Yaakov is on his way back to finally confront Esau. Now, Esau is what? What does Esau represent? I don't have my eraser here. No, no, eraser. Okay, so we're going to say, oh, there's a tissue away. Why is Yaakov named Yaakov?
1: Because
0: he heel. 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 Okay, so one, the obvious explanation we all know is because he, right by Echaz Baakev Esat, which tells us, by the way, what? That he was always from by G-d. holding on to his heel. What was what? It's it's already it's right in utero already. What was Yaakov? He was a suppliant. He was trying to undermine. Right, you're going out. I, he was trying to change up the system before he was even born. And that's why he's named Yaakov. But why else is he named Yaakov? Because he came second. Esav gives the etymology. Esav comes back and Yaakov says, "Who are you, right?" Miatabani, and he says, "I'm Esav. And he says, "What?" And then, right, the the he, Yag, What? Yitzchak says. Yitzchak. No, Esav says, "I'm Asab," and Yitzchak says, "Oh my gosh, right?" And I ready? And then, he "And then he says." Yaakov. That's why he's called Yaakov. ze Right? What does that mean? ze he, he supplanted me twice. Twice he tried to undermine me. Twice, twice, he he messed the system up on me. Twice he undid status quo and on me. So now Yaakov is going back to face Esav. He's not just facing Esav. What is he facing? Malach. Well, he's, we're going to get to the, the malach, but what's They've he facing? T- he's facing everything about his persona, mm-hmm. right? He's facing the fact that he, everything he has accomplished, and he's accomplished a tremendous amount, has been through deceit. Okay, and go to parak bet pasuk chaf says... Vayar kiloyachollo. Okay, now, uh, sorry. Actually, back up. Go to. Let's start with pasachavdali. Um, my apologies. Yaakov's about to meet Esav, and he sends his family onto one side of the river, and then he's stuck on the other side of the river. Right? We would imagine probably that he got his family over, and then it got, must have gotten too dark for him to go back, so he was there alone, and he was probably going to cross the next morning. Vayivater Yaakov levado avek, ish imo tashaka. Vayar kilo yaholo. Right now this, whether it's a being whether it's a, right, We know in a few minutes it's an angel But whatever this angel is Some people say it was Yaakov's own shadow That he was contending with It doesn't matter, right? Whatever it is he was wrestling with Couldn't overtake him Vayiga pechaf yirecho So what does he do? He gets in the joint He doesn't just hit him What does he do? He loosens it. He what? He loosens his joint. He dislocates. Right? He dislocates it. his hip mm-hmm. joint. It mm-hmm. takes away, you can't move your Your pelvis is out of the water. Correct. But go back it's to the... It's
1: the center of the body.
0: Correct. But go back to the joints. Right? He's getting him, he's not hitting him in the stomach. Right? The, the, it's still there, this element of the joints being loosened. Vayigab kaf I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And he says, he admits, my name is Yaakov with everything that that name implies. Because what have you done? You've had to wrestle with people, with God, What does that mean, wrestling with God? It means that he wasn't sure what... There was Yaakov's entire life was this constant wrestling, the constant pushing the envelope, the constant breaking of protocol, the constant breaching of boundaries, but vatuchal. Here, the malach ostensibly is sanctioning it and saying, you're now ready to move on and become Yisrael. And the name Yisrael is going to be all about that. It's going to be about looking at status quo and deciding whether or not the joints need to be loosened and reassembled in a way that's different and better, okay? And let's just finish. Yeah, sorry. But it's also got Yashar yeah, in it, so he's, now he's, not gonna, he's gonna be
2: straight instead.
0: Ah, uh, okay, so excellent. So this is the last, after this, Yako does not trick another person. There's no more deception. But he's right? tricked. He's but just, he's, tricked, he's tricked, right? One, not more than once, and go back, I'll give you another great example, okay, of where the boundaries, where we're sort of, it's not Yisrael the individual anymore. So look, go to Paraglamid Dalit for a second. Okay, what's one of the joints? One of, right, if we're calling it the joint or the boundary that distinguishes Israel from non-Israelites? Brit Mila. Brit Mila, okay. Brit milah, in theory, okay, now again, whether or not a lot of ancient societies practiced it, we're putting that aside. Symbolically, as it matters to us, Griz was that thing which distinguished Israel from non-Yisrael, <coughs> okay? Now go to and Dalit, what happens? Dina, the daughter of Yaakov, was going out and? she was She's kidnapped and raped, right? Again, it's not as violent a rape, for example, the language is very similar, but flipped with Amnon and Tamar. Right there, she's crying out, she's begging him not to hear, all we know, was that she was taken and kidnapped. And of course, Shechem wants to undo this as an honor shame society. So the shame done to the father's house needs to be undone, right? Because if you can't keep control of your daughters, no one's going to want to marry into your clan because it means that the father is irresponsible. It's the same reason there in Tanakh about a girl being raped in a field. What the heck was she doing out in the field all alone? Right? That reflects on the father's inability to keep chaste daughters and loyal sons. It's not, it has nothing to do with the daughter as much, okay? But Paraguay, so Dina is taken and she's kidnapped, and the people of Shechem say, What can we do? We want to undo this, we want to make friends, we're not interested in going into a civil war, into a war with you. And Shimon and Levi trick them and say what? To, if you do a marriage, you can marry. They pretend that this can be erased. They use the joint they dangle it in front of them as if to say, yeah, this boundary, this is permeable, this is movable. But then, of course, we know what do they end up doing? <laughs> Using it, right, as a means to deceive and kill. And look at the very end of Paraglama okay? Or not, excuse me, not the end of Paraglamid Dalit, um, but where Yaakov, eh, sorry, it's microscopic. Um, look at the end, yeah, the very, very last pasuk, Okay, Yaakov is upset. Go to Pasuk Lamed. But Yomer Yaakov El Shimon Ve'elevi Achartem oti lahav ishini v'yoshev Right, he says, you've made me abominable. The people around me are going to hate me. This was really, really violent. Bakanani huvaprizi v'ani metey mispar and I'm so little. How am I going to be able to stand up to living as a semi-nomad among all of these larger ethnic groups that are now going to hate my gut? V'ne'esfu alai kuni v'nishmadeti anil v'eti v'eti. You, you basically you this was suicide vayomru right and now shimon and levi the next generation because the baton has been passed say set and this is one of the most important statements when it comes to the topic of endogamy and exogamy what are they saying to Yahoo? that their sister is protecting their sister what is the, is one, the one of the primary. most important joints right if we're talking that distinguishes us from others Huh? I'm, I'm beyond that, beyond that, beyond that, practically speaking. A
1: unified family.
0: Intermarriage. We don't marry our daughters to them and we don't marry their daughters. Marrying the daughters is always symbolic of that boundary that if it doesn't exist, there will be cultural diffusion. If it exists, again, in theory, right? If it exists, we will do our thing and they will do their thing and we will remain distinct and we will be kadosh and they will be doing all these toy votes. Right? If we start marrying, we will worship, their daughters will bring the gods into our camp and our sons will start marrying, right? The daughter is always the symbol of that boundary which can't be breached, right? And here the next generation, Yaakov is maybe suggesting maybe to keep the peace and his sons call him and say, we don't use our daughters, right? That's what it, they, they say, right? Um, the pasuk earlier when they come back, excuse me, from the Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, um, what? No, but there's a pasuk, my apologies, because it's another, I'm mentioning it because it's the rhetorical questions that we love, um, Mm -mm -mm. okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna waste your time to look for it now, but basically, um, when Shimon and Levi come back, uh no, it's earlier on when they come back and they hear what happened. Um, all right, I'll find it afterwards. Ah, ki nivala asab israel. Yisrael. Right, nivala is the very reason we don't pass daughters back and forth. Sorry, now that I found it, I should probably give you the pasuk. Um, pasuk, Zion, right? V'nei Yaakov ba'o minasadak shisham'am, anashim ha'anashim, v'yichar lahem ma'od, ki nivala asab israel Yisrael ishqav at bat Yaakov, v'chin lo ya'aset. Right? So again, we see the evolution and we see the progression in every generation. The baton has been passed, right? It's time for the next generation. Now again, it's not saying it's always perfect and there's certainly cause, right, reason to argue that what Shimon and Levi did was overkill. And we're not saying that every time, literally and figuratively, and we're not saying that every time, right? We're not saying the Jews are people that are tricked, right? It's, it's a very dangerous stereotype to, to sort of buy into. But the trickster as a metaphor The one that represents taking the fire for humanity. The one that represents having, right, using the apples that were only left for the gods and sharing them with people. It's that notion of theft to make, right, the world a more habitable place for people that want to do good. It's about questioning status quo so that you could recreate anew. And so what's interesting is that this is the last time Yaakov did not deceive again after his joint is, is symbolically, right, loosened. But his children do, and then, of course, when they send safe down to Mitzrayim, we're going to see next week what it ends up with. Is now also a reimagining of what Israel looks like as a nation, okay? Because it's going to be very different than the system was until this point. Yeah.
2: But you know, you were saying. I mean, they said, uh, you know, the the marrying business. There's no marrying uh, intermarriage, no marrying in and out of the of the tribe, but. But what Shem did to Dina, and, that was not marriage, that was rape. So the rape <laughs> and he wanted No, but then he wanted to marry her. Right? I know, but, but, but when Shimon uh, and Levi came back and found out what happened, they said, you know, this is abominable that he raped our, our sister. But then, in, you know, and in the end, they say, um, uh, you know, this was, again, uh, you're going you to make uh, our sister into a, so now, whatever, but, but uh, Shrem, the people from Shrem wanted to try to make it right. Uh, yeah, but,
0: but, but that's exactly what the sons are saying is that we want to get along with our neighbors, but not at the cost of intermarriage. That's what they're saying. Really I simple, found, right? But, but later, I mean, there was tons of intermarriage. Of course, of course, of course. And everything that's being presented in British Sheet as a hypothetical is setting the, is sort of creating this sort of paradigm of what Israel in theory should look like. It doesn't help when Shlomo marries women from every nation surrounding the land of Israel. Correct. A- right. Agreed. Nothing ever panned out the way that it was supposed to, but the Tanakh is, is a guidebook, right? It's showing us what should be, not what happened. I mean, both. It's showing, it's showing, us, both. It's showing us both. It's showing us both. Right, but it's outlining for us some of these sort of basic tenets, right? And then showing how it goes wrong and why it goes wrong so that we can learn from why it went wrong, hopefully. Yeah?
1: So that perhaps there's a more symbolic reason why we don't eat that part of the,
0: I think so. of I, the
1: animal because it's like the limit of the trickster yes. that's and yes. end of it. But you can't incorporate that into
0: Okay, place. so excellent. So that's what I was going to end with. I do think, again, I could be wrong on this, I do think there is sort of a self-reflection when it comes to this trickster archetype that yes, on some level, things need to be disjointed in order to be reassembled, but I think there is also an awareness that, that it does take a moral toll, it does, right? There's no question, I mean, you think, I mean, think about Think about anything in modern times, right, if, if we need to employ strategies in wartime, right, so that's what you need to survive, it's an existential threat, but it doesn't mean it doesn't take a toll on the soldiers themselves that are, there, there's always, right, there's always sort of, and I think the Tanakh's recognition of that as opposed to the hubris of the tricksters in the other mythologies is also a really, really important distinction. Right? We understand that they're, like we were saying before, phenomena that are necessary for the world to advance and in theory become a better place, which we hope it is, right, I think it is. Um, but again, the, the toll it takes on the individuals that are part of that may be something that we also need to reflect on, and like you're saying, sort of limit, right? I think it's important, we don't, we don't eat that. And it goes back to appetite, right? It makes no sense, his hip was loosened so therefore, we can't eat it, but it does. It comes full circle. It's saying sometimes appetite needs to be limited. You might want to eat that, but too bad, right? You need to recognize what appetite the limits. Like you were saying, the limit appetite. Um, there was another question that I ignored before. Someone was raising. Wait, someone over here was raising their hand before. No. Okay. Yeah. I raised
2: my hand before. Going back to something you said, I just didn't understand, or you didn't sort of follow through when you said, now Yaakov was was coming to meet Esau. And and Aesop had done well but it's rich and blah blah blah. And then you did sort of finish that thought. No, I think it's
0: important because the bracha Yaakov was giving, right? Meaning just because Yaakov is now in in Birkat Abraham and receiving the inheritance that Abraham got, which is look around, the land will be yours. it doesn't mean Yishmael ends up on uh, excuse me, Asab or Yishmael really ends up on the streets. They do very well and they build very, you know, big prominent nations. We're gonna see the, the Ishmaelim and the and but, but it's just not the same Rafa. Right? Yeah. When
2: Yaakov uh, fools Yitzhak, uh, that he uh, dresses up as Asa, it's really Rifka who's behind that Correct.
0: Deception. Correct. They work in tandem.
2: Great. So the question is what was wrong with what was going on that Rifka was trying to? So is it okay? So
0: excellent. You, I we don't know.
1: I was I was
2: just thinking
1: that when it says that um, that maybe he realized all along that what Riffle was trying to show him was that Asa was tricking him all along as um, this good son. Who it's did, possible. Listen, oh, I, it's, I I. Or was it Yitzhak who was like less. Progress? So I'll tell you why I would be
0: careful, Read is because to demonize Asaph when the text doesn't demonize him right. is already taking Midrashic license. And, and by the way, it goes into everything we've been talking about in the course, right? If we want to believe we're good, then Asaph had to be really bad and Ishmael had to be a horrible guy. It doesn't have to be like that, right? We could be chosen for un, any unexplained reason. Right? Just like we have no idea why, Yaakov was cho- why Rivka chose Yaakov, we have no idea why we were chosen. That's why there are all these midrashim about Hashem asking all the other nations, and they're like, right. I can't do it without murder, I can't do it without you, no, we don't want it. Because as a nation, right, we are always wrestling with why us. We have no idea why Abram is chosen. We have no idea why Kibi Yitzchakhi the chazara, And we have no idea why Yaakov, again, with more human intervention, right? The pendulum between God and human is more profoundly in the human arena with Yaakov. We don't know why. But I also think it's important that we have no idea because chosenness at the end of the day comes with a charge of what you need to do and how you need to spread the word of God by behaving in a moral way, et cetera, et cetera. Not because we're better. We didn't earn it.
1: So you don't think that saw something in Yaakov? It's very
0: possible, it's very possible, right? And that's why I think it's important she earned our trust. She, was, she showed herself to be righteous, she showed herself to be benevolent, she proved herself, but I think the Tanakh does not allow us to be privy to what she, right? It says, Yitzchak loved Esav ki tzai why? We have no idea. I think, the, I, I think the idea of why these individuals were chosen at, at, you know, I think it's important to leave the question hanging. And I think when Midrash says, oh, because Ahab was really this and he was really it's, it's trying to come up with explanations where the Tanakh intentionally doesn't give us an explanation. And I think we are meant to wrestle with that question of why us? Because then I think it sort of pushes us further to, it doesn't actually matter why us, what matters is what we do with the fact that God did give us that, that thing to, to do. Right? I think the chosenness, I think when we think that Jews are chosen because of merit, it's a really, mis- I think it's a grave misunderstanding of what being an Orlegoian means. Hashem didn't choose us because we earned it. Hashem chose us for whatever reason he doesn't give us an explanation for with this huge responsibility. That's all we know. I think it's important. I think it's an important ambiguity left. I think we should embrace that. Yeah. I think
2: it's interesting that the one negative you
0: Okay, excellent. Right, the only thing we do know about Asaph, I will repeat what she said, but it's only after, right? He doesn't marry but Tiana right? Is the only thing we know about Asaph is exogamy. Right? That he marries these other women and that Yaakov went back to the home where the insider mothers come from, etc, etc. That's the only thing. But, you know, can we call that a character flaw or again, is it more broadly speaking, if you want to remain in it has to be monolithic, right? But I think that's an excellent point. It's not a character thing, it was a choice Samaria. And again, it doesn't happen until later, which is also important, right? Once he's out of Birkat Abraham, it's, it's different.
1: Yeah? I've never heard what I wanted to be Yes. before. Um, so there's the irony of the first description of Yaakov that he was, what is it, Ishtam, mm-hmm. Ishtam, and, and that is not what we've been discussing, that um, he's, he, He was not, they were trying to give that as the opposite of a sob who was active and
0: outside and hunted. Correct, and by definition, by the way, a hunter is, by definition, a trickster. You can only catch animals if you know how to outsmart them and trap them, right? So that dichotomy is set up initially. The typical trickster personality is out there tricking the animal kingdom. Yaakov is not a trickster by nature. maybe
1: we don't fully understand what... What the Ish O'Halim was that the Yosef Because he was learning things. If he was if he was learning things, then he was actually learning tools, obviously, that helped him later on. That he, he was not some total innocent. And hey, right, listen, you he
0: can also argue that Rivka sort of started, got the ball rolling, and then it snowballed, right? She got him into the tent. She put the fur on him. She caused him, to, you know, she, you know, sort of talked him into lying to that. And then once he was in Levan's house, he had to learn the craft.
1: Well, Isha will leave his poor.
0: Sorry, everyone, I don't want to hold so people he, longer he than that. So don't
1: know. He, he may have been learning many things from it. it, it the the <coughs> phrase is, has to be investigated um, in tandem with what you've been talking about, because right. obviously, he was straightforward in his nature
0: work. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think it's also a learned craft, I think for Isha to say. Mm-hmm. Right, it's the same with the animals mm-hmm. getting more healthy. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, have a great day everyone.